It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Orlando Magic are one of the most promising teams in the league, but the path is not always straight. Today on Locked On Magic, we get a national perspective. What up, everyone? It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed locked on magic. Today is or will be May 11th, 2023. I don't know when I'm going to post this. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about the Orlando Magic season that was and what lies in store in the future with GQ Sports' Howard Beck, Locked On contributor as well. We're going to talk to the great Howard Beck here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Now on to a great conversation I had with Howard and we are now joined by longtime NBA writer, contributor at GQ Sports, as well as here on the Locked On Network. You can see him on a bunch of Locked On podcasts uh, around around the network. So pick your team, and you're, you'll probably be able to find his thoughts on them. It's Howard Beck. I, I'm prom- I, I promised myself I wouldn't say this, but I, I can't pass it up. What up, Beck? <laughs> what up, Phil? Thanks for the kind introduction. Appreciate that. Um, I don't want to discourage your listeners from listening to all the other uh, you know guest spots I've done throughout. The network. I do think there's an overexposure fear I have there, <laughs> so I'm just going to say, like, you know, uh, budget it. Don't not do too much of me. It's it's. I, I hear too much of myself at this stage. I don't want to wish that on on the listeners, but I appreciate it. It's been fun uh, making the rounds with all the teams and um, everybody on the network does does such a phenomenal job. So uh, eager to jump in today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting here, you know, I don't know when everyone's going to be listening to this. We're sitting here in early May. We're a week out from the lottery, uh, and so. Uh, you know, I, I definitely want to try and get a little bit more of a national perspective from you uh, about the magic. You know, we're we're here in, in Orlando, just kind of in in the mud, and it was it. I guess I guess the place to start is what you know, looking from afar or kind of digging back into this team. What were your overall impressions of the Magic's 2022-2023 season? It was obviously you know for a young team, one of growth, but you know, expectedly not a playoff berth. 
Yeah, and and look, um, there are various versions of a missing the playoffs team, right? There's the miss the playoffs, and it's a devastating blow for some teams. There's miss the playoffs, um, but you you were that close, and you're on the rise, and you know breakthrough is coming, right? And then there's like the the magic, and the magic on some level, I don't want to compare them directly to the Thunder because I think the Thunder are further along in a lot of different ways. The Thunder are really knocking on the door. But in both yeah. cases, you have teams that have been down that had surprisingly competitive seasons. Uh, and in the Magic's case, you know, certainly for certain stretches of this season, you started to see that glimmer that you've been waiting for for a while. I also think that, look, Ben Carroll was the number one pick, but there was a serious debate right up until draft. Day. And I think depending on which team had gotten the number one pick, it could have gone a different direction. And I think there were st- there were some doubts like, well, Ben Carroll, he seems really solid. He's going to come in ready to contribute. But is he a franchise star? Is he a foundational piece or is he just a really good player who, who's got some polish and, and an NBA ready body and all that? And I think there were some legitimate, I don't want to say doubts, but just like questions about what kind of player he could be, especially on day one. And, you know, obviously he's rookie of the year. Obviously, there are some, you know, uh, some some holes and, and gaps in his game, which we can talk about. But I mean, um, I, I think he met or exceeded expectations. And I know that's a weird thing to say, like your number one overall pick, you're supposed to be rookie of the year. You're supposed to be the best rookie. You're supposed to have the best stats, all that stuff. Sure. But it doesn't always work out that way. And some guys, the learning curve is is uh, steeper. Um, and I, I think Ben Carroll really impressed. I think that, uh, you know, Wagner making the steps that he did. I think that, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. continuing to round into form. Like people look at the outline of this team and say like, okay, I don't, you know, they're not, they're not there yet, but there's at least something to build around, which is not something you could say for the last however many years. Right. And there been were, a while. <laughs> it's been a while, but also like there were kind of fake versions of it too. Right. Like I was never sold on the, Aaron Gordon, Vooch, and company grouping, right? Like, I I, I, I never yeah. saw, like, like, it was so clear. Even when they were, like, the years where they flirted with the eighth seed or the years that they even actually made the eighth seed or whatever, those teams never looked like they had more runway. It just felt like they were spinning their wheels to me. And this is the first time maybe since Dwight, and I, I have not gone to look year by year by year, you would know better than I would living this, but I feel like this is the first time since Dwight left that there is actually uh, some promise and some upside and, and that is clear and that and that has more runway, right? And it's, this is not to say that Vooch wasn't a good player or Aaron Gordon wasn't a good player. They have had some other players who were, you know, solid contributors, but just nobody you said, all right, that's the guy we can build around. Or those are the two guys who can be our foundation and who have enough upside that we can expect to to make serious advancements. Um, all that said, like you know, as they stand now, and you know, we're, we're talking in early May, right? The lottery hasn't even happened yet. There'll be a lot to happen between now and opening night in October. As they stand now, and in an Eastern Conference that's pretty solid these days, like, do I think that next year is the year that they make the leap into the playoffs? No, um, probably not. But as I say, <laughs> it's a very premature statement. Yeah, and obviously there's 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 a lot to go. I'll I'll, cir- I'll circle back back to that uh, a little bit a little bit later. But uh, you know, to, to that point, like th- those those Vucevic Gordon teams, that kind of the Rob Hennigan era of the rebuild, I agree, just kind of lacked that direction. And, and even when Steve Clifford came in and got this team back to the playoffs in 2019 and 2020, it just felt like this group had a ceiling. Um, and, and and I remember sitting back in those days and 
after the 2019 playoff run, I think we were all saying like Aaron Gord needs to take the leap, you know, whatever he's supposed to be, whatever the best version of him needs to be. If he's going to be an all-star, it's got to happen in 2020 or this thing's spinning its wheels. Um, You know, it, 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 that, that group was a more veteran group that made finally made the playoffs. And, and I, and I think this franchise is very thankful to have made the playoffs after so long at just being completely irrelevant. Um, But to, to make the, make the playoffs was a good thing, but we all kind of saw the expiration date and, and obviously Jeff Weltman finally kind of hit the reset button uh, a, a couple, a couple years after that, when injuries finally just kind of had them bottoming out and, and the opportunity came, came along um, to that point, then, you know, Paolo Bancaro seems like the real deal. I mean, I think a lot of us who watched his for even the first game against Detroit back in October, like we were all stunned that at, at how easily it seemed like he was able to, to exist and occupy an NBA court. And obviously he had a strong opening start to this opening of the season had had his rookie you know rookie rookie failings uh, especially with his with his outside shooting but now that the rookie year is behind him and obviously there's a lot of areas that he can grow where does Paolo potentially fit into the kind of star ecosystem of the league and 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 how important is that next part of the development to to this team's overall development I mean I think it's it's critical obviously um he he's the guy who should be their best player um, in, in, you know, now and, and for the next however many years, right? Like this is the guy you're, you're, you're trying to build around. Now, listen, if, if you come into somebody else, whether through the draft or maybe in free agency trade, like you know, there's always the possibility. But I think you you go into this offseason feeling like, all right, we have the guy that we think can be our North Star. What his ultimate ceiling may be is is un- unknown, right? Um, and I always try to be very cautious about projecting with young players, whether it's straight out of the draft or even after their rookie season. Um, there's so many variables, even for the best talents that come into the league that have to do with uh, your, your own work ethic, um, your, your, your motor and your, your drive, uh, your supporting cast, the organization you're with, the coaches that you're working with, your ability to stay healthy there's a bazillion influences. And so I always try to preach caution with these things, you know, and there are some guys who you can see that ceiling is higher than others based on certain just uh, athletic abilities or, um, you know, they're, they're an ace shooter on day one or they're a great playmaker on day one. They just got to learn to play NBA defense and they got to learn how to be more part of a system, those kinds of things. But it, it, there's just so much that goes into it. All, all that said, look, the outline is there. The outline is there of a guy who can be uh, a perennial all-star. And if you talk to people around the league, you know, that's that's where they view him as like, this is somebody who, you know, should become an all-star caliber player. Nothing guaranteed. But, um, you know, there's, you know, there's there's some obvious areas that he needs to improve. The outside shot, which you, you mentioned, is a very clear one, especially in today's NBA. Um, but just, you know, learning NBA defense and being, you know, he's got, the physical tools to be able to guard multiple positions and switching defense is such a, a staple of today's NBA that you've got to be really solid um, and able to apply yourself ac- across the board there, uh, across multiple positions. Um, and then if you want to be a number one option in this league and you want to do so in a way that's not going to limit your team's ultimate upside, you've got to become a really good, smart playmaker too. And, and a selfless playmaker. And I think he, you know, look, that was one thing that I felt like he had as, as a, um, a, a real great asset coming in. Um, and, and I think rare for, you know, for a non point guard 
to come in as a rookie and to come in essentially as a primary scorer and the double average... he faced like yeah he, like, he and was, by like by like December like mid February or like by or like January he was facing double teams and and beating double teams that like you don't see rookies face, which is you know one um very you know very speaks well of him that he could 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 handle that or could adapt and evolve on on the fly there but two like I think he came in as a pretty good passer like I remember even in summer league. Uh, that was one of the first things I noticed was, oh, wow, he actually he's, he's not a guy who's just going to, you know, bull rush the, the rim every time or take like he, he's got some good passing instincts. Um, and so, you know, averaging what, 3.7 assists as, as a rookie, again, as a non-point, if you have drafted as a point guard, I expect the numbers yeah, to be there. Yeah. Um, he's still like third among rookies in assists or something like that. And, and also like, <laughs> look, it's and this is not a knock on any, any of these guys, but like over the years, guys come in who are um skilled scorers drafted by bad teams which is tends to be the case at the top of the lottery you've got all the license in the world to just like yeah. fire away and that's that's obviously not always a good thing for you or your team um but uh so to, to be able to to then uh, be judicious about it and read double teams and make plays um i, I just think speaks very well of where his career should be headed yeah, I, I think that's 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 a good point. I I, his, I thought his passing was better than what he showed at Duke, but like to your point, like even in summer league, I was just like, oh, this this guy can can do a lot more than what he showed us in college, and 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 you know certainly certainly that's kind of the trick is is finding that because you got to deal with team context in college. Take a quick break so I can say a few words from our friends at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with more than 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
Um, his running mate in Franz Wagner always seems to be just like very under the radar. Like all the basketball nerds love him um, and they know about him and they tell us how great Franz, you know, we, we Magic fans know how great Franz is, but what does, you know, what, what do you see in Franz Wagner? Where does, where does he fit into this team and, and with this team's future? And, and, you know, can he be someone that doesn't just fly under the radar? Can he be an all-star in his own right? I think to the extent that he flies under the radar, it's because the Magic are a small market team that don't win a lot, right? Like if, if, if Franz Wagner were doing all the exact same things as a member of, you know, the Sixers, the Lakers, the Warriors, the cool. Celtics, what like we would talk about him differently. Everybody raving about him. So it's not a knock on Franz Wagner. It's just that uh, in this league, if you play in a small market, especially on a small market team, that's, you know, winning 20 something games or 30, you know, whatever, you're just not going to get a lot of acclaim. So yes, it's the basketball nerds, the basketball intelligentsia who are going to, to rave and appreciate his game. Um, the rest of the world will, will catch on eventually, but it, it will probably require them to, actually win more um, and and make the playoffs. Um, that's just kind of the, the natural order of things. Uh, in terms of like like his place in the, the magic uh, ecosystem, you know, any given night. So first of all, let me start with this. We are obviously in an age where having guys who are in that 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", range who can be interchangeable and uh, do a lot of things with the ball in your hands shoot, you know, score from distance, you know, score inside, get to the rim, um, pass, defend, rebound. Like that's the sweet spot for NBA uh, builds these days, right? Um, not everybody's going to turn into, you know, Kevin Durant or Giannis or, um, or Luca or whatever, but a guy who's got size, height, and can be a primary, not just primary scorer, but a primary playmaker, a hub of your offense, because he can do, he's, he's highly skilled, is the sweet spot. And even like, you know, look at, you know, Jalen Brown's, I think, closer to like 6'6", six, six, but like Jalen Brown at 6'6", six, six and, and uh, Tatum at whatever, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, like, and uh, this is a bad time to be citing them as a, a model <laughs> while they're gagging away a, play, a playoff series. But um but I like I've always liked the outline ever since those two got together. I've liked the outline of what the Celtics were building there because I think in today's NBA, having guys who can do multiple things and who are long and switchable, it matters. Like it's a it's a really good way to build because it gives you a lot of flexibility and versatility. And I like the fact that as the magic try to to you know climb out of this, you know, deep hole they've been in for so long, that the two guys they're building around are in that kind of modern day NBA mold tall, long dudes who can shoot, handle, pass, rebound a little, defend a little, like, and, and, and are young enough to keep improving in all of those areas. Um, you presume that Boncaro is, is kind of the number one and, and Wagner is, is the co-star. I don't think that really matters. Who cares? Like, you know, uh, for this team to win offenses, at a high level. Offenses are so fluid these days anyway. They are. It, it's, it's, it's a lot more like, it, it's not like the coach is calling a play and you run a set. It's, Let's set up this scenario. You read the you read the defense and make something happen because you know as as uh, this is my theory at least. So just to ta- go on a tangent, the NBA NBA defenses have never been better than they are now, and so offenses you know obviously have adjusted with three point shooting, but they've adjusted by just being a little bit more random and a little bit less pre- less predictable, more read based and less set based, which I think was yes. maybe what it was like in the in the night you know the night like the triangle was revolutionary because it was it wasn't it was read based it wasn't set based. 
Um, and so now like Tom Thibodeau came in, did, you know, that everyone went to that strong, the weak side, the strong side zone kind of principles that he had. And now everyone's just like the way we beat that is the defense can't predict where we're going to be. Yeah. And so having multiple guys who can do something with the ball in their hands is, is a plus, which leads me uh, so to my own quick tangent, which is, yeah. um, I think it was Mike D'Antoni was the first one who basically said something along the lines of this is during his Phoenix Suns days where he was like, just give me five guys who can all, you know, dribble, pass and shoot like <laughs> easier said than done. But have the more skilled guys you have, and especially to me, the more playmakers you have in your lineup, the better off you are because defenses will take away you know, or try to make it very difficult for your best scoring options. And so having multiple guys who can do something with the ball in their hands and who are all, you know, quick decision makers and ball movers, that's what keeps the defense off balance. That's what the Warriors do at their best, right? You don't know where it's going. Like, yeah, you know, Steph's the guy you never want to leave and always keep an eye on, but because he doesn't dominate the ball, you can't predict where he's going next because he's going to give it up and then run through a bunch of screens and get it back and then, you know, give it up and get it back again. I'm not suggesting that, you know, anybody <laughs> else can do that. It's hard. Um, but I, the unpredictability matters. Um, having multiple playmakers matters. So again, if I'm talking about some platonic ideal of, of, of a foundation, I like the fact that the, the guys that the, the Magic are now building around um, are two guys who I think you know, on some level, not saying they'll both be elite in all facets, but can do multiple things with the ball in their hands because it's going to be able to make both of them more effective by having the other guy as a relief valve. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that's, that's, that's all really, really good point. Um, you know, especially because as this team starts to think about kind of the, the bigger picture stuff, um, you know, they, they, they feel like they have those foundations and with Paolo and Franz, they have a couple, they have a bunch of like really nice, interesting young guys, you know, Wendell Carter, Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony. This is still a team that's coming together. And I think what kind of the next phase, the next level that, that Jamal Mosley keeps talking about this team needs to, needs to reach the, the next, the next level is how does this all work? You know, when you're focused on winning, when you're focused on making the playoffs, because that, that is a different animal. Um, if this season was about learning how to win at a very base level, um, which, you know, going from, 20, you know, going from 22 to 30 to 34, 34 wins um, is a pretty, is, is a good jump. Um, but I remember, uh, I remember uh, we were talking with Scott Skiles uh, in the lone season that he coached the Magic when the Magic went from 25 to 35 wins. I remember asking him like, you know, yes, you know, they started 1913, kind of fell apart that year, made some very bad trades that put them even deeper in a hole. But I remember asking him like, at the end of the day, team improved by 10 wins. Do you view that as success? And and, and I, I remember this very vividly. Scott Skiles said, you know, going from 25 to 35 wins is easy. Going from 35 to 45 wins is much more difficult. Yeah. What does this Magic team have to do then to make that next 10-win leap? And, and you, you said yeah. you probably don't expect them to be a playoff team. I don't know if that means playoff team or postseason team, uh, since there might be a distinction between those <laughs> two now. But yeah. um, what does this team have to do to, to make that leap into into postseason contention next year, into serious postseason contention next year, because they were hovering around three games out the whole year and couldn't couldn't make up any ground uh, after after they made their run in December. Yeah, and look, you know, the teams ahead of them will have you know changes too, so you don't want to assume too much again here in early May. But like, even just looking at the standings as they you know ended the season, there are seven wins behind the tenth place team, behind the the, the last playing team, which was Toronto. Um, excuse me, I, I take that back. These stupid play in standings. Are, well, <laughs> Mess with me every time. Um, and the whole fact that Miami went from seventh best team to 
Six, um, there were six games. They, they ended six games back of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Chicago or Toronto. I forget which one now. Yeah. Um, not that it matters anymore. Um, okay. They ended six games back of Chicago. I think was 10. Um, yeah. Of course, they were... Th- three games back and then they just decided to tank their final three games after they yeah and that influences it too right so we we should all that perspective matters but the fact is you shouldn't be counting like how many games do will it take to get to the 10th spot like that's not that's really not not the game (laughs) um so they, they still have some ground to make up um for an eastern conference that's gotten deeper um and where everybody's competitive and because the, you know, the trend lines the last couple of years is that the NBA just keeps uh, getting, you know, more and more competitive balance in part because of the allure or the incentive of the play in. And so it makes it really crowded in that range of, of the standings. Right. Um, and you look at the teams ahead of them. I don't know what the hell Washington's going to do. Like, is, you know, they have a new front office coming in at some point soon. Are they, they got a lot of fight? guys to resign. They got guys to resign. They got to make a decision on Beal again. Are they going to trade him? Can they even trade him? Um, the Pacers are a team that's on the upswing, right? They've got a good young core. They will keep building. I don't know which direction the Raptors are going, but they seem determined to keep. Like they're not, they're not tearing down clearly, um, and I expect they'll be better. And the Bulls seem content to keep hovering in, in that that seven eight nine zone. The Hawks have talent. They just underachieve. The Heat have talent, but they underachieved up until they'd gotten to the playoffs and now they're <laughs> overachieving. Um, weird, weird how that works. Miami, Miami's weird. So the point being like, I don't think any of those teams are going anywhere. So if you're going to break through the clutter, you got to make some really big moves or some major advances with the guys that you have. I don't see too many, I don't see really any candidates ahead of them other than maybe Washington who are, you know, potentially going to drop behind them immediately. So, so they, you know, the magic have now some pieces, but the, the depth isn't there. They need a starting point guard in my view. Um, and that would, would take a lot off a lot of pressure off their, their two young emerging possible stars, if we want to call them that right now. Um, and, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody, uh, with another team earlier in the week and that, that was basically it. He's like, they need a point guard, but I don't see them making that a priority this off season. Like they're not quite ready yet to go all in and say, okay, now's the time to pivot to building up and spending. Um, that's a team that, you know, is perceived around the league as not being one that wants to spend big anyway, that they've got some limitations. And when you start making all in moves, obviously it also raises the bar for, you know, expectations of the results. So um, if, if your team is too young and you start trying to push it forward too quickly and signing guys to big contracts or overpaying because it's like, well, we've, just, we've got to have this kind of guy. We've got to have this point guard. We've got to have whoever, um, you know, now you're on the clock a little bit yeah. <laughs> sometimes as a front office and ownership group, especially one that's been reluctant to spend in the first place is looking at you going, all right, guys better make the playoffs. Cause you just spent 80 million of my money on this one guy. So it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing there. And I think the sense I got at least again, from this one rival executive was, you know, probably more short term, more around the margins moves this summer, see what else they come into um, in, in free agency and draft, et cetera. And then maybe this time next year, maybe is the time that they start to really maybe push more chips in. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I tend to agree with that. Just my just my observation of how this front office has worked under Jeff Weltman. Uh, you know, at some point they're going to make the all in move, but they've They've been extremely patient and, and they've preached and openly said we're, you know, we'll we'll be open to opportunities, but they're not we're not gonna, you know, try to rush this thing. We're not gonna try and cut corners. And, you know, I think 
I think this is a team, like, to me, depth is the big thing. You know, injuries have just destroyed this team over the last three years, really. Um, they started 5-20, and 20 essentially, because they, they played the first quarter of the season without any point guards, with Marco Fultz and Cole Anthony being hurt. Um, they have enough young guys, and, and I, I think this team, you know, I, I'll push back a little bit. I do, I do think Marco Fultz is a pretty solid point guard, but obviously he still has some limitations because he's just not a shooter. And so, you know, I, I think... I think when it comes to this team, they have a lot of really good young players that I think can take the leap leap up. But I I think like a Markel Fultz, even a Wendell Carter, who I really like, um, I, I want to see Wendell Carter in the playoffs more than anyone else, just because I worry about a non rim protecting big and how effective that can be in, mm-hmm. in the po- in the postseason. And I, and I do think like right now the Magic are happy to kind of let you know Wendell like I, I would I tell I say I say this to people are like oh the Magic should go after a center somewhere. Um, be like, you know, I have concerns about Wendell Carter, but that's not the most immediate need. That's something they can address, you know, next next summer, two years down the road, um, when they know what they're missing when they get into the postseason, when they get into the playoffs. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I'll ask you what you think the Magic's biggest need. If they're going to, you know, I agree. I think they'll focus a little bit more on the margins, adding some depth, um, maybe finding a, a solid starting shooting guard to compete with Gary Harris and Jalen Suggs. But, um Shooting, I think, is obviously the biggest need and the most immediate thing for this Magic team to fill. You know, the, they have the draft. They have a couple. Yeah, they certainly should have a couple options in the draft. But what is, you know, if the Magic can work on the margins, what is the biggest thing that they should be thinking of addressing, assuming that, you know, they're they're fine with Markel Fultz and Wendell Carter where they're at right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think they are they're okay with Wendell Carter and Markel Fultz, and I like Carter. But like, let's let's talk about point guard again for a second. Yeah. Fultz and Cole Anthony are 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 perfectly fine. Um, I think the view around the league is that they're both backups. Um, I I think the view is that they don't have a starting caliber point guard. Um, one thing that that again this this one executive I was chatting with uh, mentioned to me about the Magic is that one reason they wouldn't go all in on a point guard aside from, you know, obviously, like I said, the spending issues and expectations and all that stuff. And are you ready to actually to, to make, you know, major investment if you're not, if your youth is not quite ready to win yet anyway, um, is that they also like Suggs as a guy who's going to handle the ball a lot. Not, not that he's a point guard, but just that he's another guy who's going to need the ball in his hands some, and that maybe they want to invest more time and um, reps in that before they decide, okay, the, the, the need is a point guard. But if I'm looking, look, timing is everything. And maybe the time is wrong to, to do this. But I believe that good young players, non-point guards, right? Forwards, you know, Wagner, Boncaro types. Um, you're, you're, you, will, you will evolve more rapidly or you will, you will have a better, um, easier evolution in your early years in the NBA if you've got a strong veteran playmaker with you. And that's actually even the case for veteran scorers sometimes. Um, I'm in New York. I was covering the Knicks during the Carmelo Anthony era, and Carmelo was at his best when he had either Chauncey Billups or Jason Kidd, veteran point guards who were really smart, who could control the offense, and who could get Carmelo his best attempts and also reel him back when he was overdoing it. And scorers tend to do that sometimes. So if you want somebody to organize the offense and to to get the best out of my God, I mean, I, you know, there's a current New York version of this too. Julius yeah. Randle was kind of a mess a year ago. He's not great right now either in the playoffs, but he had a phenomenal bounce back regular season in large part because Jalen Brunson came in 
as a, and again, Jalen Brunson, second round pick, um, backup, you know, a secondary ball handler in, in, in Dallas, not a primary, but you see that a guy who's really smart about the game and understands how to run an offense and get guys in their best spots and has some leadership skills, like what that did, like imagine what a Jalen Brunson or like say a Fred Van Vliet, who's a free agent probably mm-hmm. this summer could do for the magic. And again, I'm not saying that this is the time to do it. And I'm not saying that they will, because as I say, it's the sense is that they're not, but I just think it makes it that much easier on your young evolving, you know, scorers when they've got somebody who can run the offense and make it all make sense. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, to, to, I, I think Mark, I think, you know, watching Markel every day, I do think Markel does some of that stuff, but he's also essentially playing his second full season or third, you know, second and a half full season in the league. Um, yeah. He, he, he carries himself like a veteran, but, it, and, and I think sure. understands the game really well, but you know, I, I watch him enough. He kind of trails off sometimes like his focus, you know, kind of wanders, which you, I think you get with young players. And, you know, again, you're right with the young players, you, you got to give them time to make mistakes and learn sometimes. But I think, you know, this magic team, I think they were the second or third youngest team in the league. They're all children. They had only two, they only had three total players on their roster older than third. I think they only had two, two players total on the roster older than 30. And that was Terrence Ross and Michael Carter Williams. Um, Gary Harris is the veteran at like 20, 28, 29 years old, something like, something like that. Um, get, find, like, I'm a big, I, I, I have my Horace Grant theory, which is a very magic specific way of saying uh, the, the, that 95 team was not going to make the finals despite all the talent they had without Horace Grant there to kind of show them the way, show them how, yeah. to, how to be a playoff team. And I agree with you. That's something this magic team is missing. They're, they're all really young. They all really like playing with each other. They all are really bought into what Jamal Mosley is, is preaching to them. And I think that's where they get a lot of their, get, get at least a lot of their poise and focus, but there's no substitute for someone on the floor, like getting in Palo's ear and saying like, Hey kid, you got to go, or I'm going to get you the ball in the right spot. Like, like you said, you know, to, to your point, like, Luka Doncic struggled without Jalen Brunson too. Uh, like having a having a having a guy on the team that you can trust to to run it run the team and get you the ball in the right spots consistently as a star. That's that's everything, and that's that's something that that this Magic team is missing. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a four fifty five meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Just to kind of close things, close things off, off here, um, coaching is always kind of the the lightning rod. Um, you know, he's he's especially with young teams. Um, fans are very very quick to to jump on coaching, but uh, overall, you know, Jamal Mosley uh, as a young coach, you know, dealing with a, a super young team. How do you what, what do you what do you make of the job that he's done in his first two years with Orlando and? 
for, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer that coaches also have to grow and develop the same way, especially young coaches have to grow and develop the same way that young players do. What's kind of the next evolution for him now as this team turns from, okay, we're just developing. We just want guys to get experience to now like, okay, we're going to put a little bit of winning pressure on you guys. We want to meet, you know, the, the magic, like Paolo Bancaro said it as rookie of the year, year press conference. It's playoffs or bust for this team next year. Like that's how the players feel about things. How, how does how does a coach manage that switch uh, almost in, in a franchise's goals and organization? Yeah, I mean it's, it's it's tough because the coach is a little bit at the mercy of the organization and their uh, their timeline, right? If if they don't go out and make big bold moves this summer, his hands are tied. Like he's he's got he he just has who he has, right? Like he yeah. can't he's not the one who can go tell them to go get a Jalen Brunson or a Fred Van Vliet or whatever, right? You know, he's not the one who can tell them to do the uh, now making the rounds rumor of uh, Wendell Carter Jr. for DeAndre Ayton swap. I don't <laughs> Yeah. Um, like, like he, he it, those are not his calls to make. Um, he's, he knows what he signed up for. Young coaches understand it. Most young coaches end up uh, getting their first crack with a team that's in a position like the Magic are in, young and rebuilding, and you hope for the best. And you hope you get um, a lot of latitude because not everybody does. But Jamal Mosley is really well regarded around the league. People really like him. Um, you know, bright, works hard, um, good communicator, uh, good demeanor, um, just really solid. Um, everything I can gather is that, that the players really like him and listen to him. And, you know, we spend a lot of time in this league, you know, fixating on coaches, uh, on the, on the details in a game where it's like, well, why did he make this substitution or why didn't he put in that guy or this out of timeout play? And you get into the, the, the granular nature of it, but so much of, of coaching in the NBA, you don't have to have, you don't have to be the best X's and O's guy. You, you, but whatever it is you do, whatever your system is, whatever your philosophy is, you need buy-in. That's the phrase that you'll hear all the time, buy-in, right? That matters more. You could have the the most simplistic system in the world um, in, in, in the abstract, whatever that might be. The most complex system, the best system, what, what, however you want to rate coaches' approaches to the game. Unless they buy in, it doesn't matter. Um, and so that's the thing. And, and what I, what the, the, the sense I get about Mosley is that that like, that's not a problem. That that one he's he's got down. So that is so much a big or such a huge percentage of the battle is just making sure that everybody's on board, that they believe that they believe in you and, and in and each other. And that, and that if you keep telling them, this is the way we're going to do it and we might lose some games, but eventually this is going to work or you got to work through it. So I think, I think they're in great shape there. Um, people are very high in them, like I said. And, and, you know, the one thing that you hear sometimes is a concern for younger coaches, especially from people who, who, I think like Jamal and, 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 and believe in his future is, will he get enough time? Will, will he get, um, will they be patient enough? Because as I said, at the start of this answer, he doesn't get to choose who, who is, is on the roster. That's not his, his uh, responsibility or, or his choice. So will he be there long enough to get to, to see the fruition of all of this work now? That's, that's, that's always the problem with, with, with young rebuilding teams. Uh, you know, you, Sometimes hire a guy knowing like he's, yeah. Sometimes hire a guy knowing he's good for this situation, and you wonder if he's ready for the next. And I think, again, I agree. You got to give him. I'm a big believer. Sometimes you got to give things a chance to fail. Like especially in our culture today, everyone's so so quick to rush to like a final judgment. And I'm just like, 
sometimes you got to give things a, a, a little bit of a chance to, to fail and, and mess up and see if they can recover and, and bounce back. And that's where the magic are at. Um, Howard, I, I really appreciate you jumping on and answering some questions and giving some, some kind of national perspective uh, on this magic team. Uh, like you said, it'll probably be very, very different uh, in a week, in a month, uh, in, in, a, in a couple months. Um, but I, I, I appreciate you. Um, Everyone should know who you are, where to find you. But in case they don't, uh, where's where's the best place for people people to find to find you and and interact with with all your NBA musings? Sure, thanks. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Howard Beck. Um, you can find all my writing uh, for the moment. My my current stuff is at GQ Sports, but you can go to my authory page, which is like author with a Y on the end, authory.com backslash Howard Beck. And everything I do for GQ and all my past stuff for Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report, New York Times is all there as well. Um, and uh, I'm over at Blue Sky also, but not everybody's there yet. So <laughs> we're all um, migrating there slowly. <laughs> if you if you happen to have have, uh, and I don't have any invites, sadly, to to, to send out either. But uh, if you're on Blue Sky, come track me down there too. Uh, I I I, pre- I appreciate it, Howard. Uh, thanks thanks for coming on the show today, and, and hopefully we'll we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. I want to once again thank Howard for jumping on the podcast, talking a little Orlando Magic basketball here, even in the depths of the, I guess, the the shallows of the offseason. I don't, I don't know what, what to call it, but at a point when the Magic are not super relevant. Obviously, we have the NBA draft lottery coming up in a week, so we will be back in the spotlight once again very, very soon. But I want to, pre- I want to thank Howard once again for jumping on. Despite what he said, definitely check out his other appearances throughout the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't, don't overkill it. I'll agree with that, but... Um, Howard's been giving us great insight throughout the Locked On Podcast Network, so definitely check it out today. I want to thank you all again for listening, though, to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Switch your tune in to him on Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We want to thank you again for listening to the podcast today. If you're one of my everyday subscribers or you want to be one of my everyday subscribers, We're going to come back tomorrow and react to some of the things that Howard had to say, some of the takeaways, perhaps from the Nationals' perspective, that we don't see very, very close to the situation. We'll get to all that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.